Hello, everybody. Hello. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. Yeah, okay. Take us to the howl. To the howl we go. Howl, 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 howl. That's a beautiful howl. That is the howl of all howls. It's a howl episode. It's a howl episode. I would say that howl is just as epic as perhaps the horn of Boromir. Uh, sure. <laughs> oh, welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. This is your host, Charles, and also with us today, we have um, lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. That's me. I'm Dylan. <laughs> I'm so glad you <laughs> fought to have that moment, just so you can be like, yep. <laughs> well, okay, this is... Pr- we're all out of sorts because we're so ahead of our recording schedule here. So for a while, I was <laughs> I was requesting that you would that you play back the intro and then on an episode that almost definitely has not aired yet which is uh, i won't talk about that but yeah that episode episode has not aired yet (laughs) yeah an episode that hasn't aired yet charles actually called my bluff and played the intro again and it was an episode i was very much wanting to (laughs) get started with and i was like okay if he's actually gonna play this intro again then (laughs) I, I can't have that be my thing. So I pushed for it because I think that it's good for the listeners to hear no, our, both of our voices at the top of the show. I agree. That, I think it's a lot good to do introductions, but then I turn it over to you and you're just like, hey. <laughs> you were like, I need to work on like a like an opener. And I know. Like, hey. <laughs> well, I used to say run that back one more time. I'm sure there's episodes where I say that that have been released yet. And then you oh, actually yeah. did it. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, I need to stop saying that." <laughs> I'll see if I come up with something catchier. It just nothing. No, it's fine, that man. I'm, felt I'm fine right. with the way it is. Yeah, it's cool. It's just um, you're really you are so passionate about it at the start, and then um, I was expecting like a whole thing. No, nah, I just okay. want them to hear our voices. That's cool. That's cool. So. Now that introductions are out of the way, we are going to get into the meat of today's episode. This is a new format that we're taking um, on the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast. Um, Normally, we're doing either book uh, buddy read discussions or we're doing... Uh, f- like more casual friends episodes just talking about popular fantasy books and characters and things recommending as books as we do this time we're gonna go off of just like a just a, a fun little micro topic from the series that we're currently reading we're wrapping up our buddy read of the lord of the rings and we've been out in the message boards we've been out on our fantasy on reddit and one of the characters that surprisingly was popping up for us considering that we were already in the middle of reading the series was Boromir and about how Boromir was a bit of a misunderstood character 
And that got us to this idea of the title of today's episode that you may have already noticed, which we're calling The Tragedy of Boromir. And this tragedy is in two parts, I would say. The first part is obviously the tragedy of his story arc. And there will be spoilers uh, for this, by the way. Um, So if you haven't read The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, you may want to go read that and come back. But... or watch the movies depending or on watch the fellowship how, of the ring yeah. movie uh, depending on your time commitment and so it's a tragedy in terms of his story arc and then also the tragedy in which he is kind of portrayed in the movies and a little bit in the books and also just by popular perception i think that it's easy to see Boromir as this figure that represents the greed of man. And that's, that's I think, pretty much what he drives home more than anything in the movie portrayal. So you mm-hmm. get to see that, oh, yeah, men, unless they're Aragorn, who's just so awesome, then they're going to give in. And... Mm-hmm. And that's a tragedy. That is a tragedy. (laughs) And we get to see Boromir basically just be the stand-in for that in the movies. But we think there's a lot more going on beneath the surface, and and we get to explore more in the books. Exactly. Very well said. It all comes back to the perception of the ring, where, especially in the movies, but also in the book, the ring is this absolute evil and to use it would instantly corrupt you and it's such an obviously evil thing to do to put it on and to use it which is not really the case if you were to read more in the books and it's not so obvious to the people in the world of middle earth especially someone like boromir where the ring is what sauron's uses to draw power and anyone that wears the ring does gain abilities magical abilities that could be used in combat i mean we know the reality is that it bends people to saruman's will but i think something sauron, oh, yeah, sauron thank you I, I was working this morning and now my brain is fried so dylan's gonna keep me honest here um so Sauron's will. As long as I know enough about the, <laughs> it's very easy for me to not know enough about the Lord of the Rings, where I won't know. But you know the honest. difference between Sauron and Saruman. So so far we're doing okay. Yeah, well, um, I think in a recent episode I referred to Sauron as just an eye. So <laughs> that's another thing we could get into. But the idea that the ring is is this thing that shouldn't be touched or used, I think, is something that's. Um, taken to the nth degree in in the movie. So you have the Council of Elrond and everyone's like, oh, the ring is evil. We can't touch it. And then Boromir's like, we should use this thing. This thing is a gift, basically. And Gandalf is like, that's a horrible take. That's a bad take. And then everyone's like, no. Um, but I think a large part of why we're here today is to kind of give more insight into Boromir's perspective and how maybe that wasn't such... A bad take, especially from his point of view. We got into this a little bit in our Fellowship of the Ring discussion, which we, we recorded way back, where we're feeling like Boromir's portrayal in the books is 
as much more of a morally gray character than as a person who went bad or anything like that. And I think, yeah, we'll get to explore. We're excited by that topic and we were seeing that come up on our fantasy. So we're, we're happy to get the chance to explore Boromir's perspective and, more and yeah. why those takes might not have been as bad as they seem to us as readers or viewers at times. A hundred percent. And let's get into kind of Boromir's perspective going into the Council of Elrond, which a reader or a movie watcher, that's where you're introduced to Boromir, where it's like, okay, he's here and he's being the contrarian to everyone else in the council wanting to use it, which we know is bad already. So, like, that's just a bad take. But let's take it from his perspective. Boromir, obviously... The son to the steward of Gondor. Gondor is like the capital for all of mankind, basically, the way Tolkien describes it. And the where where it's situated, it's right in the shadow of Mordor. So imagine just being fighting orcs day by day, watching the smoke of in the industry of war rising out of out of Mordor, and then these creatures are marching into like Minas Tirith and through the woods and attacking you. And you see doom and and when Mordor finally decides to march on mankind they're gonna come gondor's the first casualty so boromir is going to rivendell as an act of desperation more so than any other character in the council for sure i think that there's a lot on the line for boromir and he he's also coming in from a life in which he was raised to think of things through a militaristic lens. Right. And they're, you know, they're always on the defense over there and they're always trying to figure out how to gain the upper hand. And I, there's a great quote from Abraham Maslow, um, who is the father of humanistic psychology. Whoa. Drop That's uh Deep from my field in here. but it's one that's used very much outside of psychology it's i suppose it is tempting if the only tool you have is a hammer to treat everything as if it were a nail uh, and this came to mind for that. me around boromir that he's someone who is raised to be militant and mm-hmm. he grew up in a lifestyle that that makes a lot of sense from so when he sees the ring it makes sense that to to him, that is a weapon. Absolutely. It's and not something to be gotten rid of. It's something to be wielded and used against your enemies so they don't get to use it against you. That's a terrific point. And I wanted to add to that. You said he was raised to be militant, but not only that, he was raised by Denethor, who is the steward of Gondor. He's running the show. And Boromir is his um, his golden child. And he's like, you're going to be responsible for all of these people. You're the next in line to lead mankind. And you're inheriting the throne at a time where we are at war with the enemy, capital E, enemy. He is evil incarnate. And that's to add to the weight of not only having a military background, but having the weight of of being next in line to lead man into battle against evil is what he's coming into. And 
it's he's talking with people in Rivendell who haven't seen where orcs haven't been there and they they are not in the shadow of Mordor and Rivendell would have they describe in the fellowship that Rivendell would have been one of the last places but eventually would be overtaken but it's Gondor would be like the first and Rivendell would be the last so the fact that no one has any sense of urgency except for Boromir is a perspective that I think we often lose just by being introduced to him right there in that council. For sure. We've got Boromir going in with the the urgency of a cornered animal, basically. (laughs) And then we've got a bunch of other folks who are (laughs) thinking, okay, well, that's kind of down the line we aren't if this quest to get rid of the ring actually succeeds then we won't see any consequences (laughs) right Right. elrond's willing to take that risk but boromir (laughs) is like if we do this thing we're not helping gondor and that's what i care about is like preserving my people so it's and he does bring that up in the council. And then that gets us to what their decision as a council is to do, <laughs> which was to give the ring to Frodo to take into Mount Doom, the one place where it should never go because once Sauron gets it, it's game over. And you're, you are going to lose no matter what. So it's this thing where it's like, if the ring will always find its way to its master and if he gets it, he loses our choice is to either bring it right to him and hope we succeed or a hundred percent fail, or we try and use it and we go to battle and use it for victory. Like he doesn't relish the fact of using it, but he sees it as the only practical option, which I mean, the idea of sending an untrained warrior, a hobbit, no less right into the heart of the enemy land seems like the one thing you definitely should not do. And if you take a step back from what we all know about the Lord of the Rings and we usually know how it ends up or have a sense, even if it's our first time watching the movies or reading the books at the council, we we have the sense this is probably going to work out. Yeah, exactly. The world's not going to end at the end of this. Hobbits are good and stout people, you know. (laughs) Formula's like, they can't bite. (laughs) (laughs) But let's just try to take a step back from all that for a moment and, and think of what it would be like to be Boromir, not in the middle of a story, but as a person <laughs> who is seeing this all play out. This plan is ridiculous. And even the people coming up with it are kind of aware, yeah, this is a long shot, but I mean, it's such a crap situation that we're in at this point. This is yeah. the best that we've got. And I think it's hard not to feel like if you were in Boromir's shoes, you'd be feeling the same way here. Right. It would be an interesting fan fiction to to start the series, but start it with Boromir in Gondor and then just have it entirely Boromir's story as he works his way to Rivendell and then sits in the council and then just be told that pitch. And then you'd be like, what? You're going to take that guy who's like a halfling? You're going to take him into Mordor? There's just no way. And even Denethor has a great line in The Return of the King where he's talking to Gandalf about their plan. And he's like, to use 
this is perilous, this being the, the ring. At this hour, to send it in the hands of an itless halfling into the <laughs> land of the enemy himself, as you have done, and the son of mine, that is madness. <laughs> so from this, the perspective of humanity and Gondor, they're like, what you did, sending Frodo out there like that into the heart of the enemy was madness. Insane. Which... The fans, the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast is going to go on as saying that's a fair take from their perspective. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to think about that fan fiction idea that you just threw out there, <laughs> Charles. I'm imagining either a really tight third person point of view or even first person point of view of Bormir and imagining just his perspective when he's seeing the hobbit in front of him and hearing the plan like how he would describe (laughs) what he is seeing in front of him in the form of a hobbit it's like you're gonna give it to them and you're gonna have the thing go to the worst place it could possibly be going to because there's a small chance that then they can throw it in (laughs) the volcano and it'll all work out it sounds out of control it does, and I'm glad that I'm glad that Boromir was there on the council to present that opinion, and just mad props to him for deciding to be like, well, I'm outvoted here. Guess we're doing this. <laughs> it's like not a very admirable thing that Boromir did. Charles, well, if they're listening to our <laughs> to our episodes where we're talking about our trip to New Zealand, they'll have heard that you did something very similar when we climbed Mount Doom. You got outvoted for a <laughs> for a decision to do something that seemed pretty silly to you and, and you just plugged <laughs> along, Charles. So I think you and Boromir are kindred spirits. You know, I'll take that as a compliment. Boromir's a very admirable guy. And yeah, that was basically exactly what happened. And that whole one does not simply walk into Mordor thing. He was right. I can say yeah, from firsthand experience. Can... <laughs> you don't just simply walk there. It's not no. simple. <laughs> you climb up scree that is falling beneath you and feel like you are. You can going only to see a few feet in front of you. You have no idea yeah. where the top is. For sure. Yeah. So check out. Check out that YouTube video we posted. Yeah, um, check out that New Zealand story trip series. That's a great series. Lots of fun pictures and videos and things from that. For sure. So Boromir ultimately agrees to the plan. He gets outvoted. He cedes it to the wisdom of Gandalf and Elrond and all these other figures, which is a wise thing to do. He didn't do it... um, he didn't do it confidently, but he did it, which is respectful and adamant. And even as they're going, he's like, we need to like go to Gondor. Gondor's having all these problems. And they're like, we'll get there when we get there. I, I feel like everyone was pretty dismissive of his worries that <laughs> um, he's on the, on the war front, on the war front, you know, on the field of, on the, there's a theater of battle going on. Um, and uh, they're all just like, oh, we'll, we'll see if we can make it. You know, we have priorities here. And then there's the moment where Frodo decides that he's going to break off from the fellowship. And he's like, uh, I need to do this alone. And then 
Boromir tries to take the ring from Frodo. And I think this is the... Obviously, this is that second tragedy that we were talking about, which was the desire... I feel like the ring was too tempting of a thing and Bormir's situation was too desperate and he was going unheard and he wasn't getting any of his plans into action. No one seemed to care about Gondor or, or, or fighting the enemy at all and they were just chasing after this Hail Mary of a battle strategy. And that, coupled with the temptation of the ring, caused him to, to succumb to its, to its will. You know what's something I've been thinking since we finished Return of the King, Charles? Lay it on me. No one gives Frodo that much flack for his giving into the ring when push comes to shove. No. Boromir Maybe gets... they just didn't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, not the characters. I mean, the, the fans or people who talk about it are just the pub- public perception of these... Boromir gets labeled as the person who turned bad because he got tempted by the ring. But people rarely talk about Frodo like having done something so awful uh, <laughs> by eventually giving in, I guess. Frodo did something and, very bad. <laughs> yeah, Frodo got lucky. Yes. And Boromir did not. <laughs> no. All said and done. But he did, and he also redeems himself, too. He does. Which is, he doesn't, he tries to take the ring, but he you know, he, he obviously does not succeed. Frodo puts the ring on and escapes. And Boromir, he's a stout man. He's like one of the most respected men of all men, basically. And, uh, he you know, he instantly regrets it. And then when he sees that the hobbits are, the Merry and Pippin are in danger, he runs to their aid and selflessly defends off a whole battalion of Orakai. And um, it was just a touching... A touching moment and in the end he confesses to Aragon and he passes peacefully and in good grace and what more can you ask you know we all have our low moments and <laughs> Boromir had his but he he ended up sacrificing himself for the greater good and who knows what would have happened if he didn't stick up for the hobbits there that's right. Who knows if Merry and Pippin would have gone on to scour the Shire against all those ruffians. And you know, Charles, that <laughs> I just love to talk about the ruffian scouring. <laughs> oh, I know. So, yeah, that's the that's the tragedy of Boromir. You know, we saw him as, we thought his perspective was really unique and one that wasn't wholly explored in the series we thought he was easy to write off as the what happens when you try and use the ring or what happens when you let anyone other than hobbits take the ring or whatever. But he's more than just the poster child for the temptation of the ring. He He's a valiant warrior. He was trying to do what was right for his people and he was desperate. He, his people were at war and dying and no one seemed to care. No one really was... Um, offering to help in any way. They were just kind of accepting the fact that Gondor was going to get attacked. Well said, Charles. I mean, we're not here over at the FTF podcast claiming that Boromir was in the right, per se. Right. Uh, we know from the larger context that what he was doing when he was being tempted by the ring and what he was arguing for wasn't really for 
the best of that of Middle Earth. But I think when you take a look at his perspective, you can understand it. And when you take a look at his overall arc, it really is a tragedy. I would agree. It, it, it's the tragedy of Bormir. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, what are your Bormir takes? Uh, send them to us. We'd love to hear them. But uh, that's our tale of the tragedy of Bormir. Are there any other points you would like to make, Dylan, before we sail into the West here? No, I think we said our piece. I am interested from the listeners what they think of these Hobbit-sized episodes, <laughs> as we've occasionally yes. called them. And you always know the release schedule and all that kind of stuff much better than I do. So I'm not sure right. if, so if we've released any before this. This will uh, either drop after the Two Towers or after Return of the King. I think it will drop after Two Towers. So it'll probably be the first episode of around this 25-minute, 25 to 30-minute mark. Yes, it will be the first we've like, ever dropped short one that we drop. Yeah, I think so. And it's of a different format, as you mentioned earlier, of a very specific topic. So I, I'm curious to hear from any listeners that want to reach out to us at the FTF Podcast on Instagram or Facebook mm-hmm. or at the FTF Podcast One on Twitter, yeah. especially there. Yeah, that's a, a good up, place. Uh, yeah. And also, you can send us an email, though, if you want a more. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of the right word. I'm. Tr- it's like private, but it's like. <laughs> Direct. <laughs> um, it's like. One on one. Yeah, it's intimate, Charles. That's what yeah. I was going for. I feel like email is a little more intimate. Uh, so throw us uh, an email at the FTF podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and yeah, any reactions to these? Do you like these shorter specific episodes? Do you want more of them? What do you think? Yeah, we'd like to know. We're experimenting with the format and we thought this little, little just thought piece on, on a very specific um, target uh, example, which in this case was Boromir could be interesting. Um, so yeah. let us know and also we'd love to continue the conversation if you guys have hot Boromir takes we we are all ears so definitely reach out to us until then I'm gonna just roll out the outro music right yeah it's just so weird it's so soon <laughs> we usually like have hour long episodes feels, so. yeah it feels like we just started <laughs> it feels like we just started but thank you everyone for listening that was the tragedy of Boromir a misunderstood character um, if you have Boromir fan fiction that takes place before the Council of Elrond, entirely from Boromir's perspective that leads up to the Council, we would I'd like to read it anyway. Oh, I'd love to read it. Because I, I think that would be an interesting one. I totally agree. And if not, then go go ahead and feel free to steal Charles's <laughs> idea. Yes. I can say that on account of Charles, of course. <laughs> And uh, you can say it on the right that. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Everyone take a stab. Everyone submit your Boromir fan fiction to us. We'll take a look. Throw it in as part of a five star review. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Drop five star reviews. We need more of those. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, as always, everyone, go forth and conquer, friends. <laughs>